0: Hey folks, I'm Philip Morgan, and this is the Consulting Pipeline podcast, where we talk about building your consulting pipeline through positioning, education-based content marketing, and marketing automation. The subject of interviewing has come up for me several times lately from several different sources, and so I thought it would be good to do a short podcast episode on how you interview people and get good interviews. You might ask why, and uh, I think you'd be right for doing so. <laughs> Isn't this a podcast about getting a full consulting pipeline? It is, but I have found that interviewing people is a super vital skill, uh, not just for running a podcast, although it's useful for that. It's actually super useful just for discovering valuable information that can help your business. For example, if you were... Working through your positioning and wanting to start to, to test out some possibilities, being able to interview people effectively would be super helpful for that process. Or if you are working on developing a uh, very focused service or some kind of productized offering, being able to interview people, uh, again, to do that effectively and do a good job of it would be profoundly useful in that process. And the reason why interviewing is helpful in those situations is because it gets you uh, much more reliable data than what's going to come out of your head. It's not as, uh, I was going to say, not as reliable. It's not as, it's not something that can stand alone. You need to combine that data with other things, like observing how people act when no one's watching and, and that sort of thing. But again, interviewing can be a super useful tool in, in context. There really are two kinds of interviews. There's uh, a type of interview that tries to spotlight um, a guest or a celebrity. And those are quite common. That's what you see me do uh, or hear me do on this podcast uh, quite a bit. And there's um. Those are very common for, you know, celebrities and movie stars and so forth. When they get interviewed, uh, unless it's a really prominent, uh, famous interviewer, the interviewer usually does not have the, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, (laughs) the, the gumption to go in and get new information. They are typically just doing something that's there to make the guest look good. And that's fine. And that's a worthwhile thing. The type of interview I want to talk about here is where you're trying to gain insight and you're trying to get that from someone who's perhaps a subject matter expertise or some sort of insider in in a world that you are not a part of yourself. And so you're trying to get information from them and not just raw information and facts, but insight and understanding into something that you're sort of an outsider to. And again, That's the kind of interview that I'm going to talk about the most here. There's some crossover, of course, between the two types. Asking good questions is an art in and of itself that applies to both. But uh, the one that I think is more useful for developing your consulting pipeline is that, that type of interview that gives you new insight into something. I've done a lot of interviews. I interview people for this podcast and also in my work. As a marketing consultant, I end up interviewing a lot of people to get insight into worlds that I don't understand for various reasons, perhaps to write some piece of content or some other reason. So here's what I've learned from my experience in interviewing people. The first thing you're going to have to do is ask for the interview. Uh, Sometimes if you're doing client work, your client will ask for you, but still someone has to ask for the interview. And that brings up the question, how much time should you ask for? This actually matters quite a bit because how much time you ask for directly impacts your likelihood of getting the interview. The answer to that question is you should ask for between 15 minutes and whatever you need. And how much you ask for really depends on uh, two principles, the what's in it for me principle And the, you'd have to be a jerk to say no to this principle. I'm going to explain those in more detail later. But uh, for now, just know that when you ask for the interview, you're essentially asking for as little time as you can get away with, especially as uh, the people you ask for an interview from may be very busy you wanna uh, go as low as possible to increase the chances that they're going to say yes. You need to do some planning, I think, <laughs> before you actually conduct the interview. That, uh, if you are not a, um, you know, uh, an old hand at doing interviews, includes some very fundamental things that you may not think about. It's good to have your space set up in a way that's conducive to doing an interview So that means during the interview, whatever you need is right there. So you, A, don't look like a dummy because you're fumbling around for something. And B, you're just ready and able to stay totally in the flow of the interview, which I think is very important to getting everything out of it that you can. So that may mean uh, having, you know, a place... Uh, or the ability to take notes. That may mean having your setup dialed in. That may even mean doing a practice interview before you do the first, uh, you know, really important interview of of a project. So make sure your space is conducive as much as possible. You will want to check your equipment. I'm, uh, I suppose, a little bit on the paranoid side, when I do interviews, I often uh, will reboot my computer before beginning the interview. I almost always do them over Skype, or I use Skype to dial a landline, and I almost always record them. And so I actually run two pieces of software at the same time to do uh, two copies of the recording just in case. I've actually needed that. That's actually paid off, doing, having that level of uh, paranoia about getting it right I, I go in with the assumption that I'm not going to be able to redo the interview if it bombs or if something uh, doesn't work. And so I just plan accordingly. It's a good idea to make sure you, yourself, and your interviewer are in a good headspace. So if you know that it's right after lunch <laughs> in your interviewer's interviewee's time zone, Uh, that's maybe not the best time to do an interview. So I I think about things like what's going on in their day, if you have any visibility into that. And uh, personally, I try to avoid scheduling interviews right after lunch for me or the interviewee or late in the day for either of us, because those tend to be times when people's uh, thinking is not usually as clear as it could be. I like to be able to take notes during an interview and this is actually a bigger subject than you might think of, Think it is at first. I always j- write notes that are either single words or sentence fragments rather than writing out full sentences or trying to, uh, heaven forbid, record everything <laughs> that an interviewee says. That's what the recording software is there for. So the purpose that I have for taking notes is very simple. It's to remind me of either a follow-up question or some kind of loose thread that I want to tie up later in the interview. And I, that's what I use my notes for. I don't use it to actually try to record any data for later. It's simply a tool for during the interview to try to uh, keep myself from forgetting anything. And the reason that I might forget something is uh, one of two things. I might just be having a bad day. And the other reason is I am typically working so hard to pay attention to what my interviewee says and where they're going and and keeping up with my own thought process about what they're saying that uh, something like, oh, I should ask them a follow-up question about that. In the space of 30 seconds or 90 seconds or two minutes, whatever it takes them to finish what they're saying, that thought could just evaporate. (laughs) So I write it down. It depends on that. How I do take notes really depends on the type of interview. If it's a shorter interview and the questions are pretty straightforward, I will typically use some, a a three by five note card just sitting on my desk. That this may also be because I have a rather small desk. I, uh, I just use a small note card as a place to jot down these, these little one-word thoughts or uh, sentence fragments. If it's a longer form interview, which uh, I've done some of those for clients and I do those for my, for my own podcast, I will typically print out the questions that I plan to ask with as much white space as I can possibly have between those questions and have them be on one sheet of paper because I don't Uh, or at least for a podcast, I don't love the sound of me shuffling papers on my end. So I like to have them on one sheet of paper, as much white space as possible between them. And I like it on paper because there's not going to be the noise of me typing notes, although that can be fine uh, if you're doing a more uh, informational interview, something that's not going to be published. And uh, the other reason is just that I like it printed out is just so I can write down notes. In between the questions that pertain to uh, follow-up questions, I may want to ask. That's all to me in the in the planning category: checking your space, checking your equipment, checking your head, and having a some you know way of taking notes that really works for you. When you actually start the interview, of course, you should be on time, if not early. And I like to start by warming up, establishing rapport. And modeling for my interviewee the type of, uh, honestly, the type of behavior I expect from them. So uh, this does not always work. I've had a few very memorable cases where nothing I did worked to model, uh, or to get the kind of openness I wanted from an interviewee. But most of the time, if you are uh, genuine and warm and interested in them and, Open about yourself, you will be very subtly but effectively setting the expectation that they can be open with you, and that's very important to getting a good interview. In terms of establishing rapport, it is wow. What do you say about that? It's it's an art. I like to start by talking about anything at all that you might have in common with the interviewee. That may be the person who introduced you, or uh, something you know about where they live. Or the, uh, I mean, I'm not at all ashamed to talk about the weather. Um, and if you can kind of uh, treat that the right way, it can be an incredible uh, way to get things going. I like to ask questions about my interviewee. How long have you been working there? Just anything that can uh, provoke a genuine um, answer and start to get them talking about themselves because very often that's going to lead to a better interview. I like to keep it as natural and easy as possible. The other thing I like to do that's very easy to forget and I myself have uh, glossed over this accidentally in the past is you need to before you start, you know, the quote-unquote the interview, you need to explain what's up because it may have been some time since the interview was set up. It may be that your uh, interviewee is rushing from meeting to meeting all day and squeezing you in between meetings and just... It's, it's The bottom line is it's really not their job to remember why the interview is happening and what it, where it fits into the context. So you need to explain that to them. You need to explain whether this information is going to be published anywhere or whether it's always going to remain private, who will see or hear the interview, and if the interview is going to be published, what's the process like? Will they get to give feedback? Do they have approval over things that get published, uh, et cetera? This gets particularly important as you get into bigger organizations where you may be talking to people who are uh, considered legally official representatives of the organization and what, they, and what they say to the public really they have to you know, be super careful about. So just explain all that to them and let them know uh, what they're getting into so that they can, you know, decide accordingly. When you get into actually the interview and asking questions, you should avoid obvious yes, no questions, I think. And most of the time, ask open-ended questions. Things like, tell me about the time that blah, blah, blah. Uh, Walk me through this process or, you know, tell me about this, tell me about that. In this kind of interview, and even I think in the other kind of interview where you've got a guest, you're there to discover something, not to get someone to just tell you what you already know. You want to discover something new. One of the ways you do that is to almost never let a question go with just one answer, but ask follow-up questions. The first answer that someone gives you is almost... Never the full story, or almost never encompasses the whole idea that they're trying to express. So ask follow up questions. And again, that gets back to that, that idea of having an, a note, some easy way to take, jot down little notes as someone is telling you something, you maybe are thinking forward to where you want to get more detail. And so maybe you make a quick note to ask a follow up question. This is one that even I have trouble with, this next one. Uh, Shut up after you ask the question. In order to get good answers, you have to leave space for your interviewee to provide their response to your question, very simply. And so shutting up and, and getting over your natural instinct, perhaps, to fill up empty space with your own words or to uh, nervously kind of trail on after you've asked the question. Those are all things that with some practice you can overcome. And uh, doing so is really worth it because when you leave that space, that's really where the good stuff happens. There's some people who don't do this who I think are still good interviewers. Uh, but, sorry, Andrew, but I think Andrew Warner is a good example of that. He interrupts people all the time. And I think he does so reasonably skillfully and he gets a good interview out of people and he uses that tactic, I think, very uh, intentionally. But just be warned, if you're not a really good interviewer, doing that can really kill the interview because of how you come across to your interviewee and they may end up kind of getting the idea that, well, why am I here? (laughs) If you're going to keep interrupting me and interjecting your opinion and so forth. So this is, again, the area that's a little bit the art of interviewing rather than the science of interviewing. But uh, you can get better at the art uh, with this simple idea of just shutting up as much as you can. Here's the one thing that uh, I don't, I've never heard anybody else say about interviewing and I think might be uh, the best thing I can tell you to do and that is to ask why, W-H-Y, ask why uh, a lot more than you might be uh, inclined to. This is something that, uh, at least for me, unlocks usually the very best stuff in the interview. So it goes something like this. Someone will say, this person just did an amazing job when they came in and and did this thing. And my next question to, to that kind of answer will almost always be, why do you think that is? Why do you think they did such a great job? Why, why do you think that thing was so effective? And uh, I guess I need to ask myself that. Philip, why is the why question <laughs> so effective? You know, I think it gets people out of the mode of like reporting facts and gets them into a more analytical, self-reflective mode. And that can sometimes, uh, well, more than sometimes, very often be a source of tremendous insight into their world, what matters to them, what drives them. And so it kind of gets you at both. If, if you ask questions that are about sequences of events and before or after, that's going to get you facts and linear data, which is good. But then if you ask that why question... I think it's also going to get you another really valuable thing, which is speculation, sure. But uh, again, you know, most of our decisions and and lives are run on some form of speculation. It's going to get you speculation on uh, causation and relationships. And really, I think that's the other side of what makes for a really great uh, interview of a subject matter expert or a, a domain insider The last general tip I have for you is to be very grateful, both before and after. Thank them for their time. Thank them for their insight. Thank them for their willingness to talk to you. Obviously, don't overdo it, but don't forget to express gratitude. Here's the second part of this, uh, what's becoming a longer-than-planned-for podcast podcast. More about that, those two principles of the what's-in-it-for-me principle and the you'd-have-to-be-a-jerk-to-say-no principle. Basically, you want to make it as close to impossible for someone to say no to your interview request. The way you do that is you make sure there's something in it for them, if at all possible. And you make your request so small and so reasonable that they would just have to be a jerk to say no. I know one person who's an absolute master at this. His name is Kai Davis. He's a friend of mine. And I'm going to read a a template that he shared with me that uh, just I've seen it work, honestly, in situations when I thought it might not. And it just reminds me uh, that... um, This is wisdom doesn't come from me, but uh, from an old friend. It just reminds me that people actually want to help you if they can. You just have to make it so easy for them to say yes and, you know, so the opposite of overwhelming. And that's really what this uh, this email template does. So it goes something like this. Hi there, you know, whatever their name is. Are you the best person at, you would name their company here, uh, are you the best person at Acme Incorporated to speak to about your And then you know whatever the subject of the interview is, so it's going to be you know are you the best person at Acme Corporation to speak to about your process for procurement? If not, who do you who do you recommend I get in touch with? So you're asking if they're the right person. If not, you're asking them to send you to the right person. And if that happens, you're automatically going to be more likely to get a response because you're getting an internal referral from, you know, employee A to employee B or supervisor A to subordinate B or, you know, something like that. Uh, Two more sentences in this template. I'm working on a research project about, and then again, whatever the subject of your interview or your quest is, your company was referred to me by a colleague or it, it would be more even more powerful to name the colleague. Finally, I'd love to set up a short 15-minute meeting or you could say phone interview to learn more about how you approach blank. And again, blank is the uh, the subject of uh, whatever it is you're trying to find out about. Then you sign off. This uh, seemingly simple uh, Email template actually is the result of a massive amount of experimentation that Kai's done and a, a tremendous uh, understanding of those principles of you know, what's in it for me and the you'd have to be a jerk to say no principles. So let's wrap this up with the third part of this uh, podcast, which is some specific guidance about uh, you've got the interview, you've done all the planning. What do you ask? I think it's important to help people remember a lot of times these interviews are not about things that happened this week or this month. they are uh maybe something someone hasn't directly experienced in a while or maybe it's been a little while so uh I'd like to ask things that help people frame the memories in some kind of context, so you know uh, I'll kind of probe for when something happened and and I'll just kind of echo back to them. Oh, so that was last spring, or we're talking about January 2014 here. Those kinds of things, I think, help people kind of uh, remember more clearly what it is they're talking about. You should, of course, ask open-ended questions, as we've mentioned already. I like asking questions that illustrate change over time. What were things like uh, before this project? What were things like after you know, what were you dealing with? Why Why did that stuff matter? Anything, you know, that talks about both what uh, happened and why something happened. Maybe not in the same question, but you want to get to both aspects. So here are just some simple questions that, that these might not be the whole interview, but let's say that you were uh, doing a, a 10 or 15 minute interview just to explore something. You're talking to someone who's very busy, someone who's maybe Uh, pretty high up in the company. Uh, These questions tend to be good ones because they, they lead to other really interesting questions. And the answers to the, these questions themselves are also quite good. Number one, how does your business make money? Number two, what about your business keeps you up at night? I'll comment a little bit on number two. Uh, Decisions get made primarily for emotional reasons and then justified after the fact, after the decision is made with uh, logical reasons. And so exploring the emotional aspect uh, with questions like what keeps you up at night, those types of questions can produce very powerful, very powerful answers because they get to those emotional drivers that really are what drive decisions most of the time. Uh, number three, what one or two things would improve your business if you learned how to do them or if, if they just happened? Number four, if you could wave a magic wand, what one thing would you change now to make your business better? Again, another simple question that should not be overlooked. Uh, is it okay if I ask you a few follow-up questions later by email? Just those five questions can easily fill up 30 minutes and can be a real challenge to fit into 15 minutes, depending on the number of follow-up questions you have. But those are just some samples to give you an idea of where you might start with an interview where you're trying to discover something from someone who's an expert or an insider in a world that you're not a part of. The most important thing I think I can tell you, other than the, the part about uh, the why question, is uh, these discovery-type interviews, I think, should just have one purpose, one goal. And that, I think, will help you stay focused. And the more focused you are, I think the better the type of answers you'll get back. Again, not focused to the point of asking questions that can be answered yes, no, but focused in digging deep to really get uh, some good insight and understanding back from your interviewee. That's it for this episode of the Consulting Pipeline podcast. You can find more episodes at consultingpipelinepodcast.com. I'm Philip Morgan, and I hope to see you again next time.